0: Hello, brave listener, and welcome to Sound on Film, your PGA Championship City home for all the latest film news and greatest film reviews. On this episode, Hope Shiphorst joins me, Robert Connie, to review the films A Most Wanted Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. After that, Hope and I discuss the film adaptation of The Goldfinch and the History Channel's take on the life of Harry Houdini. Also in this episode, Hope and I will pay our respects to the late, great Robin Williams, who tragically passed away shortly before the taking of this episode. This episode is going to be fun, I promise. This is Sound on Film. A cop is a wanted man,
1: if you have knowledge of his whereabouts, you're obliged to follow due process under the Constitution. You mean arresting him? He's a cop officer indeed seeking to make contact in Hamburg. What a banker. We've had no briefing on this. Well, if you were doing your job, you wouldn't need one. We're not policemen. We're spies. Issa Karpov may be of value to us. All I'm asking for is more time. Our unit was set up to develop intelligence, resources inside Germany's Islamic community. That's why we're here. No. and I thought you were here because you f***ed up in Beirut. And your friend Michael Axelrod had no this idea. This banker, do we know what Karpov wants from him? Not yet, and if we move against him now, the chances are we never will. I think he knows what he's doing, Otto. Maybe you should let him get on with it. You have 72 hours to bring this matter to resolution. If not,
0: we will, with or without your cooperation. Okay? Okay. All right, Hope, welcome back.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be sitting in this chair that reclines so yeah, far see, back. I
0: see you. You're going about 160 degrees. I
1: know. It's, it, I don't know if it's specially made for people it's, who like to recline or what.
0: Listen, I, I don't know much about how the WFPL people work during the day, but clearly they just are a relaxed bunch of guys. Yeah, and definitely. And girls.
1: It's true. And I feel like if this seat were in a car, I would be in like a giant Escalade, just like laid back.
0: Like Ludacris. Kind of, yeah, or like Snoop Dogg or something. I imagine he was ludicrous most of the time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I are, look like him.
0: Are you ready to record this, this episode? I am. Re- okay, well, let's talk about A Most Wanted Man. So, A Most Wanted Man stars the late Philip Seymour Hoffman as Gunther Bachmann, a German spy master attempting to ferret out a terror network using the ill-gotten inheritance of a Chechen immigrant played by Grigory Drogbin. The plot becomes more complex when his German bosses start disapproving of his methods and the American embassy becomes involved. The film also stars Robin Wright, Rachel McAdams, Willem Dafoe, and Homayun Irshadi. The film was directed by Anton Corbin and was based on a novel written by Jean Le Carre. Okay, Hope. First question, as always, did you like the movie?
1: I was pleasantly surprised. I think as it was going on, I was I was kind of like, well, I feel like it's moving, but there's no peaks of action. It didn't go up and down. It was just kind of, you know, a straight through, pretty solid line of plot. Did you that think that was, yeah, I, it yeah. does,
0: but was it, do you think that that was intentional or where do you think that comes from?
1: Oh, definitely intentional. It was great. It turned out to be great. But at the time I was like, oh, wow, this is the...
0: So, it's good, but it's long. So not like the next movie we're going to review, Guardians of the Galaxy. There's not enough exploding things to keep your attention 100 percent of the time.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah.
0: So okay, well, you know, it, this is an adaptation of uh, a book by Jean Le Carre, mm-hmm. who I'm, I'm trying to do my best French. Do you want? It's beautiful. Thank you,
1: Jean Le Carre. Yeah, Le, Le Carre. Oh. <laughs> the square, I think. Is, is that what that means? I How think about so. that?
0: Um, and and so. Do you think that some of that the the, the plot-heavy moments are, are due to the fact that this comes from a source material that is kind of heavy on, you know, noir novel and no, uh, novelty novel, novel. No, noveling? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was actually reading some reviews about it before I came in, and they were saying it's very similar to his books, which are mm-hmm. you know drawn out like that. So I guess they're trying to stay with the source material, which was. If I had read it, it might have been really exciting. <laughs> and and
0: in, and not only that, not only is the novel drawn out, they're also in French, which makes them hard for me to read.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't they translate them, though?
0: Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. It, original language or nothing. Well, to me, this film is is meant to, to generate a lot of introspection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're watching this and you're thinking about, like, how does this situation work? And, you know, we're all kind of complicit in this. And I think that that makes that point pretty blatantly that, you know, this is stuff that's going on in the middle of Germany, but it involves Chechnya, it involves Russia, it involves the United States, it involves Germany, it involves the rest of the Middle East, like and it, it involves Yemen, it, like there's all these places that are all mixed together. I um, mean, it makes you kind of think about your, your place in the middle of this. And I think it does a good job of doing that by having these kind of plot heavy and character heavy moments. Now, do you what do you think about uh, about the, the cast?
1: Oh, my gosh. So the casting, I was excited to see Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course.
0: One of his last roles. It was.
1: It was his last completed
0: role. Well, Um, he'll be in The Hunger Games. But he didn't complete it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that.
1: I I Googled it. How about that? I know things. But when I saw Rachel McAdams, I was furious. And I don't know why. Maybe. And I love Rachel McAdams. It's nothing against her. I think she's awesome. But I'm like, okay, this isn't a rom-com. You're not. German, I don't understand. And I have this this issue with movies that take place in another country. And first of all, are not speaking the language that would be spoken there. To me, I'm just like, what? like subtitles are not that hard to read. Just put them on there. Like, <laughs> just authenticity it would help. I don't know. It bugs me when they just speak English. Cause I'm like, you wouldn't be speaking English if this was the case in this country. And then, and a problem with American actresses who play. Like foreign actresses, you could have a foreign actress there. It wouldn't be a bad thing, right? I don't, you know, and I feel like you would kind of do it to bring more American audience in, maybe. maybe. But I don't necessarily like it. But I ended up really liking Rachel McAdams. I think she did a great job. It was just that first, like, oh,
0: really? Like, I, you know what, Hope, I'm going to have to say I agree with a hundred percent of what you just said. Yeah, that's I had the exact rare. same reaction. When I saw her, I was like, what the heck is she doing here? Right. And then at the end, I'm like, this is a revelation. This is maybe the best job she's done ever. Mm -hmm. And because she actually did a good job in The Notebook, but there's no way that you can say that that movie was good. I'm sorry. I
1: mean, I think I've seen it like twice, which is weird for a girl, but I own it. I just don't watch it. Of
0: course, of course. And it is kind of funny. Well, okay, so this is Philip Seymour Hoffman's last completed role. And I know that everybody's just very excited to see Philip Seymour Hoffman in this. Mm -hmm. But I really think... Okay, Philip Seymour Hoffman is great, obviously, because he's never been bad at anything, and that was the thing about Philip Seymour Hoffman, just an incredibly talented actor, Mm -hmm. Um, never was bad at anything, but just put in the work and got it done, and to me, though, it was unremarkable. Except for that as his, his last role. Right. I think of the um, A Late Quartet from last year. Yeah, that was which, great. Yeah, I think you watched with us, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed that film. Mm-hmm. It didn't do very well, but I feel like if, if Philip Seymour Hoffman doesn't die, this film is, is that film last, from last year. Yeah. Um, and, and the same thing kind of goes for Robin Wright, which, mm-hmm. who I guess is just playing Claire Underwood in every, every role forever. until Always. Until she dies. The, the one from House of Cards. Oh, I but, don't watch House of Cards. Well, she's, yeah. playing, she's playing the Kevin Spacey's wife from uh, House of Cards, okay. uh, and this is the exact same character she plays. And I, she's almost as I think that her and that girl from uh, Twilight should be in a movie together. Kristen Stewart? Yeah. Her and Kristen Stewart <laughs> should be in a movie together, and it should just be titled Smiles. <laughs> smirks and Scowls. Oh, yeah. Smirks and Scowls. <laughs> yes. They should play a mother-daughter duo, and they should just never smile. But I thought that the best performances were by these kind of unexpected quarters. Uh, I thought the two very best performances were by uh, Rachel McAdams and then Grigory Drogbyen. Who he I, was
1: incredible. Yeah.
0: What a, great, what a great thing. I mean, he is very talented, clearly. And then just this role I really gave him an opportunity to do something special.
1: Definitely. I obviously haven't seen him in anything before. Do you know what he's been in?
0: I don't know if he's been in anything. Like
1: nothing that's really been released here i'm guessing
0: but. well yeah i don't even know where where he's from we should you know this is this is high high brow show here <laughs> hope we do our research <laughs> before we, we before do. we get in here but yeah he plays the uh the chechen man who try is trying to gain asylum in germany mm-hmm. and also has some ill-gotten gains from his the father who had, had an illicit affair with his mother um which produced him and so he has all this russian money in germany so that that just gives you a little hint about how complicated the plot of this film is but no uh it looks like grigory daubrygin has been in uh how i ended this summer in 2010 and chernaya molina molnia in 2009, which I don't believe is in English.
1: <laughs> it doesn't sound English, no.
0: Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's actually seven months older than me. Very nice. He's from Kamchatka, which means that he's from, that's a place in, on Risk. That's mm-hmm. one of the board place pieces on Risk. Oh, I think yeah? that's like Siberia. Yeah. So, but yeah, very talented guy. And then um, I, Willem Dafoe, who is one of those people, when he shows up in something, you're like, he picked this. Mm-hmm. I don't think Willem Dafoe c- comes out. He doesn't like cut. He doesn't cut the check often. He's not like ah, I'm poor this month. What's something I can get into? Right. He's only doing things, and then they're always kind of strange. Like I feel like uh, not the Dropkick Murphys. What was the that that uh, Irish? Oh, man. oh,
1: but the Dropkick Murphys did the soundtrack. now. Maybe they did. Oh, I, I, I think they did.
0: Uh, Boondock Saints. Oh yes. Yeah, he was in the Boondock Saints, which that was just a wild role. He was in all the Spider-Man films and. You know, I don't know. He's not the type of guy that, that he picks his projects very specifically, and I thought he did a really interesting, some interesting work in this.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: It's a very cosmopolitan film, and you you said thumbs up, right? I say thumbs up. I say thumbs up too. I say thumbs up too. I think it's, uh, in terms of the films that have come out this year, at least that I've seen, there hasn't really been that thread of indie uh, summer films that have been kind of dark yeah we've seen uh, like you know boyhood which is you know I, we haven't even seen boyhood yeah, we, we, I want to we probably should at some point yeah. but that's kind of the uplifting it looks uplifting I don't even know if, it might be really tragic and terrible I don't even know
1: it's over 12 years of this kid same
0: actor yeah, so. yeah it, it's it's you know that kind of Richard Linkletter film uh, which is kind of interesting and, and strange but there hasn't been like a the that kind of I don't know serious, more gritty summer film that we've kind of seen more of in the past couple of years. So I don't really know. I don't really know what to think. I I, I enjoyed this film, and I I think that it's definitely worth going to see. What do you think?
1: I agree. I think it was good. It was good. It was good. It's not, you know, the action film that you might think it is, but... It is thought-provoking.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, at the end of the day, it creates a level of introspection that you don't really get with other films, and I think that's worthwhile for that reason, exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. I can't stop this feeling
0: Hope. Let's talk about something crazy, and that something crazy is Guardians of the Galaxy. Woo! The latest film from Marvel Studios takes place far from the homes of Captain America and Iron Man. Guardians of the Galaxy centers around the story of Peter Quill, played by Chris Pratt, who is taken from his home on planet Earth and eventually thrown into a cosmic conflict between Ronan the Accuser, played by Lee Pace, and the Nova Corps, with agents played by Glenn Close and John C. Riley. Joining him on his wild adventure is the Assassin Gamora, who's played by Zoe Saldana, Drax the Destroyer, played by Dave Bautista, plus Rocket Raccoon and Groot, who's a tree, who are voiced by Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel. Okay, Hope, do you like it?
1: Oh my gosh. I had been so excited about this movie, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a crazy huge action movie fan, but I was like, this is going to be hilarious. And I walked into it thinking it was kind of going to be a parody of, of action movies, um, but it wasn't at all. It was definitely funny, but there was... It was was an action movie, and I loved it.
0: I'm glad you loved it. I did. I loved it, too. I'm always interested to see the reaction of someone like you. Someone like me. (laughs) Yeah. No, because... This was a point that, that Chris made all the way back at the beginning when we we saw the first trailer to this film. Because mm-hmm. as soon as the film was announced, Chris and I were like, what? They're making a Guardians of the Galaxy. So we, we knew about all, all Guardians of the Galaxy long before, uh, like who they were. Right. And we were like, I, you know, I can get them making a Captain America film, but Groot? How is that going to work? So the first time they had the trailer come out, Chris had my mom watch it and give her comments. And my mom was <laughs> like, it looks funny. But, yeah, I'm interested to, to, to see what you think. I'm glad you like it because you're not the type of person who's going to say, oh, I can't wait to see the Inhumans movie. Yeah. You, know, you're, you don't even know who that is. No idea. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan already and I'm really happy that this is, that, that this is kind of w- running forward. I'm, let me ask you a question. This isn't really about the film. So just about the film, about Marvel generally. So, okay, it's 2007, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you're about to see a movie about a rat. Okay, mm-hmm. and that little a little lamp jumps onto the screen. It hops over the letter I mm-hmm. and knocks it down, and it, it's the Pixar logo. Right. Okay, what are you thinking? It's 2007. What are, What are you thinking?
1: Ratatouille.
0: No, I, it's Ratatouille. Clearly, that's the thing. But, <laughs> but like, what are you like? This I've I've never watched a movie about a rat, but this is definitely going to be good. Is that what you're thinking?
1: Well, I mean, it was also set in France, and I love France. That so was probably okay. an unfair question. <laughs> let's
0: let's forget Ratatouille for a second. Let's say you're about to go see The Incredibles, and it's 2003. It's a better one, yeah. Okay, and you're like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about a cartoon uh, movie about a su- about superheroes, but. It's Pixar. What are you thinking? You're like, this... Yeah, definitely going to see it. It's Pixar. Like, it's Pixar. Right. Right. And they've kind of lost a little bit of that shine. Now, do you think you see that red rectangle that says Marvel in it now? hmm uh, Tell me, is that feeling there that was there for Pixar, like, a long time ago? Or, or, or what are you thinking? Um,
1: yeah. I'm not there yet. I'm still excited. You know, if it's a Marvel movie, I'm pretty excited. But it's not... Pixar level
0: yet it's not okay. Right. I, I'm interested because I kind of feel like the, the, they have the, this in common where they're concepts that you know you're like I'm not really sold on a alien or a robot that's cleaning up the planet. Like I'm not really sold on a house that has balloons attached to it. But right. th- I mean, Wally and uh, Up are probably the pinnacle of of the Pixar story. Right. Um, and I think that that you know Guardians of the Galaxy. What do I feel about a, a, a rocket raccoon? Voiced by Bradley Cooper and Zoe Gomorrah as a green person. Zoe Zaldana? Yes. Yeah. Gamora. Zoe Gamora. Gamora's <laughs> a character. Name. Yeah, but I kind of feel like it's kind of a it's kind of a taint it's 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 on its way there. Like people are going to check something out right. like this just because it's the Marvel movie.
1: Well and the cast w- was incredible. The casting was insane.
0: Now tell me about what you think about Chris Pratt.
1: Oh my gosh. Um Chris Pratt, you know, obviously love him on Parks and Rec. Which I don't watch a ton of, but I've seen enough to know that he's awesome. Wow, he's great. That's great.
0: Uh, I was listening to a different podcast, which I do sometimes, to, to pick up on tips on how to how to do my job better. But <laughs> but they they made the point that um, you know they were trying to think of other actors that could have played this role, and they're kind of going over like who are some people on television could Aaron Paul do this, et cetera, et cetera. He was up for it, and was he really? Yeah, he was. Well, to me. And this is a point made by uh, Andy Greenwald, who works for Grantland and has written for Vulture before. Uh, but he said, the mark of a really great role is that after you're done watching it, uh, you can't imagine anybody else playing that role. And mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine anybody besides Chris Pratt as, as Star-Lord. Like, it's, that that's yeah. him.
1: He's perfect. And I was reading the other day, I guess it was yesterday, um, the list of people that had auditioned for it. And I do think Aaron Paul is one of them. The list was long, and none of them made any sense to me. Like, none of them fit it correctly.
0: Well, like I, I, I think that when we heard that Chris Pratt was doing it, we were like, schlubby Chris Pratt. I mean, mm-hmm. he clearly has gotten himself in shape to play this. <sighs>
1: 60 pounds down.
0: That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I, I think that it's it's kind of like, if those other people had done it, well, clearly they, they didn't. But, like, it, it would have been a different type of character than we're used to doing Mm -hmm. uh, like that we're used to seeing those types of people but i think it's you know it's interesting to me the way that it all came together like people were really skeptical about bradley cooper voicing a raccoon and vin diesel as a tree Mm -hmm. why isn't vin diesel playing the jacked dude you know that's it's kind of weird um but it all came together in a way that was really exciting benicio del toro just being weird
1: (laughs) so weird i thought (laughs) he was brad pitt for like a few minutes in the beginning, I was like, "Is that is that Brad Pitt or is it like is he dressed up like Will Farrell and Zoolander? What's going on? Like, I don't understand." Yeah,
0: that's kind of funny. Yeah, but it, it, it came together in a really exciting way. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you're. I think you're right on in saying the cast was really, really did a good job. And I don't know who do you credit as as putting that all together. Do you think, uh, you know, the the director of this film was?
1: It was James Gunn.
0: Yes, James Gunn, who did super who's done a couple of other kind of superhero type movies mm-hmm. um that have been kind of subversive more so than than this one do you credit him for this
1: i don't know i don't know if it was him or i'm guessing they have a casting director well, yes, as well certainly. so <laughs>
0: but, i mean getting getting the whole cast to kind of work together uh, one one of the one of the interesting theories that's been bandied about is like you know Marvel empowers these directors to kind of like do their thing, but they kind of have an overarching kind of like creative control that's over all of this where we're going to make it so that the explosions look really cool and this is going to be a good kind of cool movie. You know, and and this movie's even got like John C. Riley and Glenn Close who are in like three scenes, which are like, I don't really know what you're doing here, but that's... You know that's kind of cool. I, I think guess.
1: when I first saw the preview, John C. Riley was in the preview. Was he not? Yes, he and was. that's what I got really excited about. Yeah, and even though he was in maybe three scenes, it was still perfection. It, so he's
0: he's a symbol. Maybe he's like, hey, I'm in this movie. It's going to be good. <laughs> Come see it. So uh, tell me, okay, so we have you know captain america you have to do this stupid long exposition about how does captain america become captain america and then do a a plot Mm -hmm. uh all of these kind of first generation superheroes it's superhero movies you're like you got to deal with all the exposition are are, do you think that they did that in a way that was remained engaging and exciting or were you like okay let's get on with it and let's let's see what we're going to figure out about the infinity gems or whatever
1: as far as um
0: like explaining Star everybody's Lord? story like peter quill like gamora like oh my yeah. you know thanos isn't really my dad like all that kind of stuff were you like okay enough
1: i mean no no i think it it flowed pretty well and they didn't get too deep into it the only story that i felt they really dug if you could even call it that was you know um star-lords like star-lords
0: star-lords peter Star-Lord. quill yeah the reason they made that name is because when they made the character, they were like, we want to find two euphemisms for phallic objects, so <laughs> Peter and Quill. is British in America. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, that's a true story. That's real. Um, so uh, that, that's interesting. So I, I don't know. I always kind of. I thought that some of the exposition about like Rocket Raccoon was like mm-hmm. okay, why is this here? Like, clear, and he's a genetic experiment. We've heard that from John C. Riley. Why is he going to get like super emotional? Like, mm-hmm. if you're not even going to get into it, clearly, right. clearly, nobody likes to be experimented upon genetically. Right. Like, why are you going to show him cry in one scene? Or Groot? I don't even know where group comes from never mind. There you but go. like Drax, they did get into that. I thought that that was done appropriately and Gamora was done pretty mm-hmm. well. But I didn't think and this this film actually plays with tone a lot. So it it opens with this really dramatic sequence about this little boy's mom dying and like I cried. You, I'm not going to lie. You, I cried everything though. You <laughs> cried? Like and and then it like immediately jumps into this like goofy movie where you know, all these hijinks happen, and they have to kind of fit that tone as something goofy versus something serious, mm-hmm. and they do that pretty well. But I, I, the whole explanation to Peter Quill, I'm like, I don't really know how to think about this, I don't really know whether to take it seriously or not. And that if I have one criticism, it's that,
1: yeah, I can see that being an issue, yeah. Um, can we talk about the soundtrack?
0: Yeah, it was kind of cool, wasn't it? It was
1: amazing. I was like, I feel like if I was gonna make a summer soundtrack. This would be it. You know, you have got Jackson Five, Blue Hooked. Suede. Is it Blue Suede?
0: I don't know who does that. Okay, dude,
1: forget I said that.
0: Hook on a feeling,
1: <laughs> which I love. I love that song. Dun,
0: dun. Um, I might do that as the intro to the song. You should. I'm probably going to do
1: it. That's a good okay. one. Or, oh yeah, and we'll talk about that later. Um, what else was in there? There was just some amazing music, and it was. I, I want the soundtrack because it was incredible.
0: Did you stay to after the credits? I
1: did. I did.
0: What do you think about the Howard the Duck appearance? I
1: was just kind of like, oh, do we really, we stayed for the, <laughs> 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 um, I wasn't, you know, I was like, cool, cool, this is funny, I guess, but I don't really have a history with Howard the Duck.
0: I, I've never seen Howard the Duck. My mom went to go see this movie and she said, she texted me after it was over and she said, Robert, is there anything after the credits? And I was like, yeah, but it's goofy. Yeah. And she was like. Okay. So she stayed and she's like, You just didn't get it. That's Howard the Duck. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, that's that, you know, I know who Howard the Duck is. And she's like, Oh, okay. I just didn't think you know who it was. But apparently, my mom, big Howard the Duck fan. Well, knew? There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I think that in the end, uh, we can say that this is good, not just because it's a Marvel movie, but it's good because it's legitimately good. I think it was
1: it was what this summer was missing as far as film moves go. Yeah. This is what I expect to watch in the summer because it's just
0: All right. great. And- Let's go through this exercise. Did you see Captain America? No. You didn't see Captain America. Mm-mm. Did you see X-Men?
1: No, because I haven't seen the other ones yet. I'm okay. way behind.
0: You are way behind. Yeah. You saw... Okay, did they have... They, I think they had a, a couple of different ones, didn't they? Maybe Maybe that's it. Just X-Men. Did you see the Spider-Man movie?
1: Yeah, I did.
0: And Guardians of the Galaxy. Didn't we
1: review the Spider-Man movie? We did. Yeah. You
0: and I did together. Yeah, so would you say this is better than Spider-Man?
1: I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man's always been my favorite, but I, I liked it more than Spider-Man. Yeah, is. I think
0: that the Spider-Man... I, Spider-Man is my favorite superhero also. I think that that is the bottom. Mm. And then X-Men. X-Men and uh, uh, Guardians are really... I mean, those are very high-quality films, and I think Captain America was the best of, of the four. But I'm very excited about this movie because I think it shows that people are interested in Marvel, and I'm interested in Marvel, for more than just... Uh, this movie. They've introduced a sequel. Are you going to go... Are you excited about that? Yes. I didn't
1: know that. I don't know. I'm excited. Yes.
0: They introduced a sequel before the movie even came out. And...
1: Oh, yeah. I guess you could have seen that from the movie.
0: And I'm also super excited because, like I said, I mentioned the Inhumans. Mm -hmm. This has given Marvel the confidence they need to go ahead and pull the trigger to make an Inhumans movie, which is something that... That would be... I don't even know. I can't even think of a different explanation. It's like some deep Marvel all that right. is some real crazy stuff, like stuff you wouldn't have even heard of. So I'm excited about Marvel going forward. I really enjoyed this movie. I'm glad that you enjoyed it too, Hope.
1: I write in the library all the day. I wrote a lot of Goldfinch in the New York Public Library, in the Allen Room of the New York Public Library, which was wonderful.
0: And is that because there's reference books? Or what, what makes the public library so good to work in? I mean, I know a lot of writers would be, I imagine, horrified to be in a kind of public space.
1: It's, I, I love the, if you need a character, all you have to do is look up.
0: Great, let's talk about some news, Hope. You ready for some news? I
1: would love to talk about some news.
0: Okay. Hope, the film rights to critically acclaimed novel The Goldfinch have been snatched by Warner Brothers. And producers have already been attached to the project. Brett Ratner and Nina Jacobson are slated to produce. Ratner is best known for directing Rush Hour and Red Dragon, but also directed this summer's Hercules. Jacobson produced The Hunger Games. The Goldfinch is a really long novel that is quite brooding and includes a lot of difficult subject matter. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where this project goes. Now, Hope, you've you've read The Goldfinch.
1: I have. Um, it's actually exactly 784 pages. I looked it up, which I didn't realize how big it was. I was reading it on my Kindle, and I was just like, man, this book, it's taken forever. And it took me a little while to really get into it. Um, but then I did and I, I really enjoyed it. It's just, it's an interesting story.
0: So tell me a little bit, I mean, just not to synopsize, but just to give like a really, you know, once one to four sentence overview of what the book's even about.
1: I'm trying to think if I can do it without giving any, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be giving anything away. Um, (laughs) I'm like, how do I do this? So the main character is Theo Decker. And in the beginning of the book, he's, he's pretty young. I don't want to say he's 10, but he's probably around 10, and he had just gotten in trouble at school um, for something, and so his mom had to go in for a concert, or not a concert. Conference. <laughs> there was a concert at the school. Yeah, so she had to go in for a conference with the teachers, and before they went in, he they went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, because she loved art, um, to look at stuff. And while they're there, there's a big bomb, like a terrorist bomb, I don't know, bomb that goes off and all this crazy stuff happens. His mom dies. And while after the bomb goes off and like the craziness afterwards, he ends up stealing this painting, which is the goldfinch that his mom loved um, because he just did what, you know, he didn't plan on it, it just happened. And he meets these people there um, that he ends up reconnecting with later. But it's all about him and this painting and his relationship with that and going throughout his life. And he goes to Vegas um, to live with his dad, who's an alcoholic and just ends up all these different places and it follows him throughout his life. So it's, and the painting as well. It's, it's interesting.
0: Now, I always ask this movie about, or ask this question about movies, but uh, did you like the book?
1: I did. I did. All right. it, It took me a while to start liking it though. You know, from the very beginning, the, from the very beginning, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. I do like this, but then there was a little lull where I was like, well, "Maybe I want to, you know, read something else," but I stuck with it, and I'm glad I did because it was it so. Yeah,
0: you and my mother, who I've also already mentioned in this in this <laughs> cast already, he loves his. Mom. I do. I love my mother. Uh, sh- she <laughs> is the only other person I know that's read this book, and she hates it, and really you're the only two people I know that have read it, but I've heard a lot about this book Mm -hmm. and it's very mixed reviews. Like, and and I feel like the people who don't like it, my mom's the only one I know that flat hates it. But a Mm -hmm. lot of people who are like, Oh, this book is so overrated. Do you feel like this will translate to a movie or do you think they're just kind of capitalizing off of a popular book?
1: It might actually be better as a movie. To be honest, it wouldn't take you like, you know, months to read.
0: Yeah, sure. So it's like Anna Karenina in that way. Yeah. Okay. So what do you think about the selections of, okay, Brett Ratner?
1: You know, I I don't...
0: That makes me a little nervous. It does.
1: I'm not super stoked about that, but, you know, whatever.
0: Hercules actually performed a little better than people thought it would, and it got a little bit better reviews also. And but I mean like the Hunger Games. Like, I'm excited that seems like an odd, That's an odd like jump, don't you think? From like I'm gonna direct this kids adaptation of this kids book to oh no, now what we're gonna do is the Goldfinch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's kind of a leap.
1: It is, but there are some I'm, there's some crazy stuff that happens in the book. But I could see her doing that really well. The tone of her films in general, I think, would fit this book.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I kind of get. To, I see what you're saying there, because the mm-hmm. the 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 Hunger Games, especially the second one, is just like super dark all mm-hmm. the time, and that kind of seems is just this book seems very melancholy. It, it is. Yeah. Melancholy, melancholy, and the infinite sadness. That's a Smashing Pumpkins album. Poem.
1: Oh, I thought it was um, a reference to Scott Pilgrim.
0: But, oh, yeah. yeah. That's that true also. Yeah. It is. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, there's no telling. I think her she actually has another novel, and the mm-hmm. film rights have actually already been sold for that, too, but have never. it's been just nothing's happened with it. So we'll see if this, this goes anywhere. Yeah. Be prepared to be captivated, exhilarated, mystified. Everybody wants to escape something. Is Harry Houdini your real name? It is now. All right, let's move on to talk about some television news, Hope. Yes! It's no surprise in this day and age for big screen stars to showcase their talents on television. This Labor Day, Adrian Brody will star in a two-part series on history about the life of Harry Houdini. A trailer was released recently and hints that this series will focus on Houdini's life at the peak of his fame. While cable television seems to be somewhat saturated with period dramas right now, with shows such as Masters of Sex, Halt and Catch Fire, Downton Abbey, The Nick, True Detective, etc., etc., and on and on, it is interesting that history is opting for a two-night event instead of what is becoming customary, which is the 10-episode anthology. Hope, you watched this trailer.
1: I did, and I was very excited. I love Adrian Brody, um, and as a kid, I was obsessed with Houdini among other, you know, random This is like right in your
0: wheelhouse, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I was really excited. And then on top of that, I'm reading um, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier
0: and Clay right now. Sure.
1: And so when I saw this preview, I was just like,
0: yes, this is
1: exactly,
0: this is going to be great. Get some Michael Chabon up in this. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's interesting though, because it looks like interesting subject matter. But uh, have you been watching much television drama in the past year, two years, four years or whatever? I don't
1: have cable.
0: Well, see, this, okay, <laughs> you, this is going to be less of a problem for, for you than it is for me, but I'm just kind of like, uh, okay, another one of those. Like, I
1: mean, we ha- I've been watching a few things. I just finished True Detective, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome. But.
0: and it, it, it's like okay here we are like w- everybody's in a different place in time like okay here's uh this guy if there's if there's going to be like a black person in it he's going to have to face some sort of terrible racism and there's going to be you know probably some sort of like strong willed woman who's like i want to vote mm-hmm. but you, you know it's going to be something something along those lines is going to be in it but at the same time this looks interesting, And I think that it's going to be worthwhile to attach to because it's only two episodes, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a
1: not a huge investment. it's of time. It's
0: not. It's like you're just there, and it's going to be on Labor Day. And I think it's an interesting history has kind of gotten into this a little bit. they They rebranded themselves history instead of the history channel and I think that it's interesting that everything's kind of moving away from like nothing's the learning channel it's TLC and you don't learn anything on that channel. You learn about
1: Honey Boo Boo and how to make skeddy which is um, let me tell you it is noodles ketchup and
0: butter. That sounds tasty. (sighs) I almost Um, vomited
1: when I saw that.
0: But then there's like I mean A&E used to be like about arts and I mean arts and entertainment and Mm -hmm. now it's like oh we're going to show you Bates Motel like you know it's and there is is art and entertainment. Yeah American movie classics no it's it's breaking bad mad men like it's mm-hmm. it's amc now like everything's kind of nothing stands for anything anymore right there isn't like an and history channel like okay everything's tangentially related to something maybe right. i think well tlc has come completely unglued i feel like oh definitely but mm-hmm. i mean every uh, Everything's kind of rebranded and just showing like original programming of whatever variety they want to Mm -hmm. uh, or whatever they can get their hands on. And this is further entrenchment of that. But, I mean, there is just a lot of high quality drama and it's tough to see it all. But I think a four hour investment of time is something that's going to be worthwhile. It'll be interesting to see how this does.
1: Definitely. And do you know if Adrian Brody has been in any...
0: TV. I don't believe he has.
1: So that that'll be cool to see. I think maybe he's done that. like some
0: guest starring or something. Yeah. Like I, he might have. He, I feel like he could have dated Jess on on a uh, on new girl at some point. He but, didn't, but,
1: <laughs> but <Yeah>. I can. <laughs> he could have.
0: Maybe he dated Mindy. I don't know.
1: Oh, my two favorites.
0: Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to, to me in order to to see to see where this, this ends up. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it. What do you think?
1: I, I'm definitely going to watch you're it. You're definitely going to watch it. I don't know how, but I'll find a way.
0: I'll
1: go to my parents' house. I'll DVR it. Perfect. Yes.
0: That's perfect. That'll work. It's a night, my lord. Look! The moon like a testicle hangs low in the sky. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, manzy. Remember me?
1: Mork from Mork? You once called me the nutso from outer space. Look at this thing. Look, flipper. gave you such a crick in the neck!
0: Help. Hey.
1: Help. 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 Fussy, 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 you do. Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. Or Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. Or- oh, no, Juan. You are here without your parents. This is kidnapping. Now go, shoot, shoot.
0: Which one do you recommend? The Fujitsu f- or the f- f- Fuji?
1: Where's my mom and dad? We don't know. This house has been empty for years everyone thought you were dead you don't know about real loss because it only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself why can't we treat death with a certain amount of humanity and dignity and decency and god forbid maybe even humor captain my captain sit down mr anderson Can you hear me sit down sit down.
0: All right, Hope, let's move on to talking about something a little bit more sad. Mm. Okay. So the news broke on August 11th that Robin Williams had taken his own life. Um, Williams was a bright spot in many of our lives, and the pinnacle of his career matched the time when Hope and I were in our most formative years. Uh, Williams was known for his incredible comedic talents, but had an incredibly diverse career, from Aladdin and Mork and Mindy to Flubber, but also in stuff like One Hour Photo, Insomnia, Dead Poet Society, and Goodwill Hunting. So in all the tributes since his death, it's been apparent that everybody seemed to love this guy, mm-hmm. and not just his fans, but but his colleagues as well. I don't know if you saw the Norm Macdonald, I did, um, tribute, yeah. and I, I, you know, uh, Conan O'Brien was clearly like really taken aback when when he heard the news, broke it on his recording of his show. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Fallon did something really cool. I heard about that one. Yeah. yeah. So, Hope, like I said, Robin Williams has his career spanned a long time. He was on Mork & Mindy, I think is where, he, I guess, he kind of got his pseudo start after startup, uh, after his stand-up career.
1: Well, yeah, Happy Days. They had the two yeah. episodes of, and then it went from there, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he was really famous in the 80s, and, and that's when he made uh, the big smash hit was uh, Good Morning Vietnam, mm-hmm. Dead Poets Society in the 80s. But then, you know- That was 90s,
1: 92.
0: Deadpool Society. Yeah, it's eighty nine.
1: Oh, uh, you're right. <laughs> Never mind. I've looked um, at too many dates recently.
0: So, but I mean, when when we we're we're in our um, late twenties, unfortunately. Mid. Okay. M- mid twenties. Mid, we'll say mid to late. Um, and the nineties, I guess, were our the early nineties were kind of our more formative years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I guess hope talk to me a little bit about about an important role. Robin williams uh played in terms of you know how you uh just an important role to you that he played
1: well, I remember um sitting in my grandparents' basement when i was i had to have been like six I was really young, and I had hook on v c on v h s and I would watch it over and over again, and I just remember thinking, I've got a favorite actor, finally, it's Robin Williams, and like from the time I was like six to however long, I named my car Peter. So when I found it in a parking lot, I could go, oh, there you are, Peter. I loved Robin Williams. I watched Mork and Mindy on Nick at Night because it was Robin Williams, you know. And I don't know. Just anything he did was I'd watch. Um, I still would. But.
0: Yeah. To me, this this wasn't – I'm I'm actually uh, rejecting my own premise. Uh, and I'm going to say when I was a kid – actually, this, this did happen when I was a, a child. My mom – uh, really liked the Birdcage, but wouldn't let me watch it. Uh, and so, you know, obviously, like as soon as I was able to, like I found a way to watch it. And I swear that still to this day is my favorite comedy of all time.
1: It's so good. I'm just like, vi- like I can visualize him dancing. He's like fossy, fossy,
0: fossy. Yeah, <laughs> in it right now. They, I, and and here here's a point that I would make about a lot of Robin Williams stuff, which is that he wasn't afraid to let other people shine yeah yeah. Um and I think in in both those roles like you know Dustin Hoffman played Hook I mean the mm-hmm. movie is called Hook mm-hmm. and and Robin Williams plays Peter Pan and definitely is is uh you know a very important role in that film but Dustin Hoffman is purportedly the lead of the, that film. Right. And the Birdcage him and Nathan Lane so just good. it's like I didn't know I, that's perfect I just didn't know John John Wayne walked that way like that's you know <laughs> come on that's great. And I think that that's emblematic of, of how everybody seems to have loved him since right. since his passing. Is uh, anybody that worked with him was just like he was a really great guy to work with. Mm-hmm. I will always have a soft spot for his animated roles.
1: No, oh, definitely. Uh,
0: obviously, the genie. Oh, of course. And and Aladdin being being the one that's the most prominent, but also he was in that movie Fern Gully.
1: Oh, uh, when he was batty. Yeah, <laughs> he, he did was a bat. He did
0: yeah, the rap. And that's, it was great. Hey, that's a really good thing to talk about too. Is that he in in Popeye.
1: Yeah. Which bye I bye.
0: think was actually his first mm-hmm. uh full feature. Full feature. He sang in that mm-hmm. and he also sang uh Wanna Be not Wanna Be Like You, the genie song, uh Um <sighs> Friend Like You. Yeah.
1: Or okay. Friend Like a, Me. Friend Like Me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you've never had a friend like me. Yeah. That's uh yeah. That's oh, man, and jeez, oh, there's just there's just so much that he's done that was so good it's
1: so hard to make a list you, you know you'd ask me to make like a list of five and I think it. I ended up with seven I was like I just can't cut any of these and that wasn't even with all of the ones I wanted to put on there of like my favorite roles of his Jack Jack was on there man Jack and I loved Jack so much when I was little and of course Mrs. Doubtfire you can't not talk about Mrs. Doubtfire. With, we watched that so many times. Again,
0: I mean him, but but Sally Field again, mm-hmm. like being being really prominently featured in a very very good role for for her in that film.
1: Mm-hmm. And then um, Mr. Keating. You get into Dead Poets oh. and Good Will Hunting. Sean McGuire, Sean, like I feel like you just learn so much from.
0: He's the just, teacher you yeah, wish you had. You know, he is. It's like this. This never happened for me. Why didn't this happen for me? This didn't seem fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won an Oscar for mm-hmm. Goodwill uh, Hunt. Good Hunting and was nominated in Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Goodwill Hunting, that's the movie Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon made that put them on the map. It's true. Uh, but it took, it took uh, Robin Williams to kind of put that film where it needed to be.
1: Definitely. And this is a great movie, a great soundtrack, too. Um, and then I also, this is a really random one, but it has haunted me. If you watch SVU, Do you watch SVU? Okay, yeah. Okay, the 100th episode was about this thing that actually happened in Mount Washington um, with a guy. Do you remember the movie Compliance?
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: It's that story. Um, And that was the 100th episode, and he played the guy.
0: No way. And
1: it was terrifying, and I still think about it to this day. And he he plays a good creepy guy, too.
0: I was listening to this, oh, yeah, one-hour photo. Okay, that one that. I didn't like though. Oh God. <laughs> that was too
1: creepy. <laughs> it was, but
0: yeah, you're right. He plays a great creepy guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I was actually listening today to a different retrospective about Robin Williams, and it was by these guys who were probably ten to fifteen years older than us, mm-hmm. um, and had a whole different take on his career, which I think is uh, just a credit to Robin Williams. Where, right. like, I mean, he's just so earnest in everything he does, but it has such a long spanning career. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about his work on Homicide: Life on the Streets, which was a TV show that came on like opposite uh, Law and Order in the Mm -hmm. early 90s. And it was kind of the precursor to The Wire. Um, And they wanted to kind of like reboot the show to make it more about uh, the victims rather than the the cops. Right. Uh, And Robin Williams kind of was like on the first episode where they did that, Mm -hmm. um, apparently. And he played this guy whose wife had been like murdered in front of him. Mm -hmm. And like just really emotionally gut-wrenching and just apparently did a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie Awakenings? i'm not that. See, in this this i mean every there's gonna be a few movies like this for of his just because he has such a crazy long career mm-hmm. but it's him uh as a doctor and uh and uh robert de niro as <sighs> yeah as this kind of uh mental patient type person
1: i'm sure it's on like my list of things to watch i went through it a- De Niro kick like about a month ago, where I was just like anything that's De Niro. I'm sure I put it on there.
0: But the craziest thing about it to me was that like the and this is this is the thing you could flip their roles around and that would make perfect sense too. Like yeah. with uh, De Niro as the doctor and and uh, Robin Williams as the mental patient. Like that's the way you would think you would be. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just it's just very sad. Mm-hmm. It's just very sad, and it's somebody that the world will will certainly miss but it's just a, 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 another really sad reminder that this type of work sometimes carries with it a really heavy burden yeah and and the type of person that the type of person that that succeeds in this industry is the type of person who has you know sometimes has the need to to kind of be loved by all and that's kind of a, a, a it it's shaded shaded by darkness mm-hmm. um and I'm, I'm sure that Robin Williams knew, knew that he was uh, appreciated and loved by many people, um, and we're all just certainly, certainly going to miss him a lot. hmm Yeah. I, I took this a lot harder than I thought I was going to.
1: I did, too. It was actually, uh, I was coming, I was going into Guardian of the Galaxy. When a friend texted me, and I was like, okay, I can't focus on... I've got to watch this movie. But as soon as the movie was over, I just lost it. It was awful. And I walked out of the theater of, like, you know, this hilarious adventure movie, just, like, puffy eye, just snot, you know, dropping everywhere. And um, I just... I was like, you know, I'm going to be fine. But I just... I couldn't handle it. It was
0: too sad. The, uh... I... This is kind of weird. And I've remembered this like two or three times since his death. But I back when Larry King Live really randomly was on CNN, uh, this was maybe like six or seven years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, And this was, I guess, Robin Williams had something he was promoting or something. But he was on that show with a couple of people. And it was like as a benefit for somebody. And he was just talking. Comic
1: relief, was it
0: that? It might have been like for a tragedy or like the, the earthquake in Haiti or like some sort of something. And uh, he was on there, and I can just remember thinking, "This is like a really special guy. Like this is just a really nice person." Yeah. Uh, and and I remember walking away from that, like thinking, "I should watch more of his movies just because he's a he's a nice guy." Yeah. Uh, I don't know. He was on that TV show, The Crazy Ones, mm-hmm. was... uh, which wasn't really all that well received. But uh, what
1: well, had Mindy in it, which I, I didn't know. I didn't know from that Mork either. and Mindy. That was yeah. his ex-wife. I thought it was kind of cool, but yeah. He also I was watching this video the other day. He went to go see uh, Coco the gorilla. Yeah. Did you see that video? I, did.
0: I, did. I watched this. Oh yeah.
1: my gosh! And um,
0: she did you see that Coco? They told Coco the gorilla that he died. Yeah, and, and she she was like really sad about it. She
1: was, and she recognized him when he came to visit from a movie. I don't know which movie it was, but yeah. she like I don't know. I just thought it was really. You know,
0: yeah, it's just like somebody who I mean, even even an animal would be able to sense like that that person had a warm heart. So very somber, very sad and a career that was successful, even though it was cut short. Um, And we'll we will, you know, we'll enjoy what we had of him. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Robin Williams. All right. Well, that's all hope. Thanks Mm. for joining me. Thanks for talking about these two movies. Thanks for remembering one of my favorite actors. Mine as well. And uh, talking about some news. All right. Until next time, this is Sound on Film. That's all for this week's episode of Sound on Film. Find more about the topics discussed in this episode via our show notes located at wfpl.org reach out via facebook and twitter where you'll find us as sound on film wfpl and please email me with any comments or questions as well as topic or interview ideas at film at wfpl.org as always special thanks to house band discount guns i'm your host chris ritter this is sound on film signing off